Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games games released each week. You can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. It's my nerd world and welcome to it. I'm glad you're here. A Star Wars show. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about Tribes of Tatooine. That would be episode two of the Book of Boba Fett. I will share with you some of my observations, my commentary. Plus, we'll discuss a bit about whether or not the live-action shows on Disney Plus are actually elevating the quality of the sequel trilogy, specifically for those who may have had a problem. I know there's so few people with The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker. We also have your listener feedback for those that left a comment up on YouTube where you should subscribe and you should hit the alert button uh, or emailed me at talkshownerd at gmail.com. So let's not waste any more time and dive into this week's A Star Wars Show episode talking about the book of Boba Fett, episode two. Nothing will stand in our way. I find your lack of faith disturbing. I will finish what you started. Who are you? I'm no one. There are stories about what happened. It's true. All of it. The Force calling to you. My nerd world. Just let it in. It is my nerd world, the Star Wars show, and I am glad you are with this episode once again. I'm your host, John Justice. And before we get underway, I'd like to do a quick congratulations to Alimalek, 13 years old, listener of the uh, and watcher of the show. Very much appreciate that on uh, becoming Bar Mitzvah. So congratulations to Alimalek. Um, and you can blame uh, your uh, father, Shlomo, a friend of the show who uh, writes me quite a bit and has been listening for a long uh, time for letting me know. But Alimalek, congratulations on uh, becoming Bar Mitzvah uh, to you as we get underway with this week's A Star Wars Show. As I mentioned earlier, you can always email talkshownerd at gmail.com or leave a comment up on YouTube. When you do it on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. That way you know every time I post something new. And you can either listen or see my smiling face in the bags under my eyes. Also, you can go to uh, mynerdworld.net to... uh, Take a look at everything, uh, my nerd world. The videos are available there. The other podcasts that I that I do through my nerd world, plus all the information about the science fiction space opera series, written by yours truly, John Justice and Bark. If you like Star Wars, if you like science fiction, if you're watching or listening to this program and you're a reader or audiobook listener, these books and uh, are are they're written they're written for you. 
yeah, that, because they're about science fiction stuff. And I love spaceships and great stories and uh, strong family values and good versus evil and freedom and liberty versus tyranny. And you can find all of that in the Embark Science Fiction Space Opera series. And I'll talk more about that and tell you where you can go to pick up the books after we get through with uh, listener feedback this week. But let's dive into the, uh, the core topic of discussion. It's the Book of Boba Fett, Tribes of Tatooine, Episode 2, directed by Steph Green, written by Jon Favreau. I guess I knew that it was written by Jon Favreau. So um, I, I kind of had gotten lost on me. I, I, I know that Robert Rodriguez is the sort of larger showrunner on the on the episode um or on the series uh and i like i said i believe i remember that john favreau was writing these i will say i'm a little bit surprised just because i feel like the quality of the book of boba fett is not living up to what we got in the mandalorian now that's not a that's not a criticism by any stretch it may sound like it is it's just for me personally comparisons between um the, the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett, the Book of Boba Fett still feels a little lower in quality to me, whether it's the actual directing or the action in the in the show in and of itself, uh, but more specifically the storytelling. We're not getting much of a story just yet. And I'll talk more about that as I kind of run through the episode and point out some of my, my observations. Uh, you know, and it's tough because they are obviously going for something different with the book of Boba Fett and it's coming off as something closer to Goodfellas or the, or the Sopranos. And certainly that was the case with episode two. Uh, we're, we haven't traveled to any other planets yet. We're still on, on Tatooine. So everything kind of feels grounded in this one particular spot. I personally have been surprised that it seems as if we're getting more on the flashback of Boba Fett than the actual moving forward in the current timeline of him becoming crime lord on Tatooine. And again, not a criticism, just more uh, just more of, of an observation. We'll also talk about how some of the fandom is very upset over this portrayal of uh, Boba Fett in this series. A lot of individuals are sort of looking back at the legends and the expanded universe and wondering where is that Boba Fett? Where is that lethal bounty hunter that we were told about, you know, outside of the canon storytelling uh, that we saw glimpses of in the original trilogy? I will say that for those complaints, there seems to be a lack of acknowledgement of what we got of a young Boba Fett in the prequel trilogy, and specifically Attack of the Clones, and certainly what we got of a young Boba Fett within Clone Wars. I do feel like the Boba Fett that they're creating now for canon does align itself more with what we have seen in canon of Boba Fett. Like I said, specifically a younger Boba Fett in the Clone Wars, and then going back to when we were first introduced to Boba Fett within the larger Star Wars timeline in Attack of the Clones. But there's a lot of fans out there. Uh, the hardcore fans of Boba Fett who became hardcore fans of Boba Fett because of his ambiguity in the original trilogy, who read that uh, the expanded universe and legends, there was an expectation there. And I also think that the Mandalorian coming before uh, Boba Fett may have taken away the ability for Disney and Lucasfilm to craft the character that I think a lot of the hardcore Boba Fett fans were expecting. Let's get into this week's episode first, and then I'll share with you a few more thoughts on the criticism 
and whether or not it's, you know, it's warranted. I say that from the standpoint of art is subjective and it's, you know, no different when it comes to Star Wars. And whatever, you know, you like what you like because of the reason why you like it. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. So diving into this episode, I definitely liked Tribes of Tatooine more than episode one. Uh, Runtime alone, I thought, really allowed this episode to breathe and to um, flesh out the story a little bit more. It didn't seem so, so rushed. I listened to several podcasts going over reviews of episode one and... I was reminded that for casual fans, a lot of what we got in episode one was a big deal. Seeing him get out of the Sarlacc pit and getting the first glimpses of what happened to him after that particular moment. For a fan like me, you know, I'd always just assume that he got out of the Sarlacc pit and survived it, right? Somehow the Jawas got his his armor, as we saw in Mandalorian uh, season Season two from that uh, from that very yeah the very first episode, um, so I wasn't necessarily a fan that needed to see in detail how he got out of the Sarlacc and and moved forward. But I do understand there was a very specific reason, and for a lot of fans, they definitely wanted to go and see that. Getting into episode uh, two and the tribes of Tatooine, as we start to get more background on why Boba Fett is the way that he is now based off of his time with the Tusken Raiders. And there's some timeline questions that need to be asked and answered at some point as well. And then also, to a lesser extent, his rise to prominence as a crime lord on Tatooine. And uh, one of the biggest deals was the, uh, were, the, uh, were the twins, the brother and sister um, huts that showed up. So, Getting into this episode, let's just start off with how the whole thing opened. And that would be Fennec Shand after capturing one of the Nightwind assassins and bringing him back to Jabba's, Jabba's palace. I felt the the dropping of the Nightwind assassin into the Rancor pit and then not delivering on the Rancor was a bit of a cheat. I get the gag. It worked as a gag. But I'm not going to lie when I was sitting there and I was kind of like, are we going to see a, a, a Rancor? And it's not even because I'm a huge Rancor fan. To be honest with you, um, that portion of Return of the Jedi is my least favorite part of Return of the Jedi. I'm just I'm not a was never a big Jabba's Palace fan, even though I'm thoroughly enjoying seeing it in in the in the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, but there was a moment where I was like, "Are we going to see a modern take on the on the Rancor with new special effects?" And I'm sure at some point we will. But I was really looking forward to to seeing that, especially after seeing the Huts arrive later on, and I thought they did a spectacular job on these huts compared to what we got of the CGI huts in the uh, prequel trilogy. As there was a moment there when I wasn't even 100% sure whether or not those were actually practical huts or if they were CGI. So I, I would not be surprised to find out they were practical huts and those dudes were actually holding, you know, were actually holding those two twins of brother and sister huts up um, on their, you know, on, on their, on their platform. Uh, again, that moment when the huts show up, we get this mob sopranos, goodfellas type feel to it. And to me, it's that it's that scene that really is forecasting where this is going. I suppose seeing that Boba Fett is calling himself the crime lord now makes the most sense about that. However, uh, that moment 
in that in that in that moment in time when we see the huts, and specifically when Fennec Shan says that they can't kill them because they need permission, that's very much sort of a mob mentality of what you would get in something like 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 The Sopranos or in uh, or in Goodfellas. I'm not the biggest fan of crime stories or crime sh- or uh, you know crime family shows like that. So I think a lot of my commentary and opinion about the show is going to be I don't want to see tainted, but reflected through that lens of. Those types of stories aren't things that, as a consumer of entertainment, that I gravitate towards naturally. I like the big, epic scope of Star Wars, even though I am enjoying this quite a bit. I did find when they brought the uh, when they brought the Nightwind assassin to go see the mayor, uh, that was an interesting dynamic there. Uh, I do have one little nitpick, just something that I wish that they would do more often, that they're not doing that much in these live-action shows. Uh, I wish that they would have the the alien characters speaking the alien language more often and giving us subtitles. Um, I found, and my wife did as well, the speaking device on the Mayor Authorian to be kind of distracting. And I personally feel like, and I don't like doing this all that often where it's like, well, if it was me, I would have done this. But for me personally, I would have liked it to be, hey, speaking in an alien language that both Boba Fett and Fennec Shand actually go and, and know, and we're getting subtitles on the screen. Because that's just core Star Wars, in my opinion. I mean, that's pure, you know, when you, when you get that, that's, you know, that's Star Wars to me. Uh, so moving forward, we then get into the flashback. And the flashback really ends up dominating um, the episode, the vast majority of the episode. I think we only spend like some 15 minutes in the beginning part meeting the huts, which I did think was cool. I love seeing those two huts. It was creepy seeing the brother and sister sort of entangled there on that platform. Uh, but I did I did really enjoy that moment. And then we get into the, the flashback. And we are taken up to the point where uh, Boba gets his his outfit that we see in The Mandalorian. Uh, season two. Uh, I enjoyed all of what we saw in this flashback. And my opinion of seeing more of the tribes of the Sand People has changed quite a bit. Going off of what we knew in the original trilogy and in the prequel trilogy, when it came to the Sand People, we were you know told these are ruthless, you know, sort of mindless creatures. That did change a bit. When Anakin goes and wipes out the village, and not just the men, right? But the women, and the children, too. Uh, which is such a weird moment, In by the way. I, I, I love Attack of the Clones, right? I, I, am a, I, am, I am an unabashed Attack of the Clones fan. I, I, I love that film. But the fact that Padme is not thrown off by Anakin Skywalker saying he just wiped out a tribe of men, women, and children... I guess she just loves him that much. And may we all find a woman in our lives who love us as much as Padme apparently loved Anakin Skywalker to the point where she was totally fine that he killed a whole bunch of, of, of uh, Tusken Raider uh, individuals within that, within that tribe, uh, the women and the children too. Uh, so anyways, we did see a little bit more of, of these you know Tusken Raiders in Attack of the Clones and getting into... The Book of Boba Fett, we're, we're seeing a lot more. You know, these these are tribes of individuals. They do have, you know, personalities. Uh, and, you know, they seem to be more humanized than what we're used to seeing. And, and I'm cool with that. It's just, as a lifelong Star Wars fan, having seen A New Hope at age five, 
it's there's a little bit of demystifying of these things that we only had small glimpses of and now we're getting the backstories of. And I guess it's the nature of what what's going to happen with Star Wars moving forward. There's no denying it. You can either accept it and go on for the ride or just not watch the the current material. Uh, but even like the one-off line of the Clone Wars from A New Hope, I mean, certainly now that's grown into one of the biggest facets of all of Star Wars storytelling uh, right now. And when it comes to the Tusken Raiders, I had always just considered them as being sort of mindless savages, and that's not necessarily true. Now, I think we're getting different factions of tribes, and if, you know, some tribes are probably more lethal than than other tribes. Uh, however, in this particular episode and in this particular series, we're certainly seeing the more human doing that thing with my fingers side of uh, the Tuscan Raiders than what we've seen uh, in, in the past. And I did really enjoy it. Uh, the train sequence, I thought, was was fantastic. Really reminded me a lot of Solo. Um, just the correlation between the train sequence that took place towards the beginning of uh, of Solo and of course, here we have the you know the Pikes involved in it as well. Saw Pikes and Solo, and this train ripping across the desert, and that whole aspect of it was, I thought was a was a lot of fun. Uh, the action sequences I thought were choreographed great, um, and was probably one of my favorite sequences so far within these two episodes. I'd be curious, and at some point, I'm going to sit down and just watch episode one and episode two back to back because it actually creates a rather interesting uh, mini movie. So before we get into a little bit more of the episode, I want to raise this question of the timeline of what we're seeing within the Book of Boba Fett. Because we were taken up to the point at the end of the episode where we do see Boba Fett in the robes with his gaffy stick that we see him introduced in, uh, in with, with that we see him wearing when he's introduced in The Mandalorian Season 2. But we've got a timeline issue going on here that hasn't been resolved that I hope they do resolve. And that is, how long was he in the Sarlacc pit? So, Return of the Jedi, what goes into the Sarlacc pit to be digested for a thousand years. Doesn't happen because he burns his way out. One has to assume he was not down there very long, considering the fact that he moved over to grab the breathing apparatus from the stormtrooper that was down there. And where the stormtrooper came from, everybody seems to be asking that question. You know, uh, perhaps he was searching for droids at some point and got left there. I don't know. There were no stormtroopers at the end or at the beginning of Return of the Jedi. So who knows why that stormtrooper was there? Be that as it may, he was there and Boba Fett needed to go and grab, pulled that cord out to grab, you know, whatever breathing thing that was attached to his helmet. So one has to speculate he was not down there very long or he would have suffocated by the time uh, he actually woke up while he was starting to be digested by the Sarlacc. So when he gets out of the Sarlacc pit, he's uh, he's immediately taken in by the Tusken Raiders. And now he's at the Mandalorian season two garb at the end of this episode. So point is, Mandalorian takes place some what, between what five and seven years after Return of the Jedi. So we're, I mean, it doesn't appear that he's been with the Tusken Raiders for all that long. Even if you just put him with the Tusken Raiders with what we've seen in the flashbacks so far, like a year, you're still missing about four years. So what happens from here? And this is where I think we're going to see more of the flashbacks because I think that the only way to rectify the timeline and to get it to match up with the, with the current timeline that we're seeing in the book of Boba Fett post the Mandalorian season two 
He's got Slave 1. He's got the armor. It's repainted. He's become the Crime Lord, right? The only way to bridge that gap of those years is he must have stayed with the Tusken Raiders for a longer period of, of time. So, is this what we're going to see in the remaining episodes in terms of these flashbacks of what did he do for the years leading up to when he finally gets his armor back in The Mandalorian Season 2? So, I imagine we're going to have much more flashback of Boba in the Book of Boba Fett pre his, appear- his appearance in The Mandalorian Season 2. And, most likely, one of the big story elements is going to be his getting back of Slave 1, right? There was an interview that was done um, with the actress who plays Fennec Shand and Tamira Morrison, and he let it slip that there was uh, some big gunship battle sequence that they uh, filmed. Uh, I hope we end up seeing the gunships from the uh, prequel trilogy. I think that would be rad. My assumption is that he's getting back Slave 1, and that's going to be in one of the upcoming episodes in flashback what we are going what we are going to see is his retrieval of Slave 1 because he obviously has it, again, by the time we get to Mandalorian uh, Season 2 because he shows up in it. Uh, in that episode, towards the end of uh, in that episode, towards the end of season two, when he finally makes contact with the uh, with the Mandalorian, and you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I just again, sort of speculating on where the Book of Boba Fett will be going in the uh, you know in the upcoming episodes, which is probably pushing back against a lot of people who have been theorizing that we're going to go back to some original trilogy events. And perhaps see Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. There was a rumor that came out this week that Han Solo will indeed be in the Book of Boba Fett. And that Harrison Ford actually took a break off of filming Indiana Jones 5 to go and film those scenes in which he will be de-aged for the process. Whether that is for a flashback that takes place during the original trilogy or somehow he shows up in the current timeline that we see of him becoming Crime Lord. There's also that rumor out there that, you know, Crimson Dawn is is going to, you know, make a play in this. And there was a rumor that came out this week from a fairly unreliable source saying that Kira from Solo is getting her own show. Also, uh, that uh, that actress did a video recently and was very vague about recording some secret. Amelia Clark did a very vague uh, TikTok video or something to this. I saw it briefly as I was thumbing through on on uh, on Instagram, but said that she had been recording or been filming some secret projects that she was really really excited about. Uh, so who knows? Uh, I've speculated, and I mentioned earlier on on some recent episodes that that was the rumor that had been that had come out that Kira would eventually show up in this. I think the appearance of the Pikes and knowing the Pikes had a relationship with Crimson Dawn from what we saw in Solo could lend some credibility to that particular rumor. Uh, but again, just remains uh, remains to be seen. So moving forward, um, when he builds the Gaffy Stick, for those that haven't uh, heard this yet. He goes to that makeshift, Boba Fett goes to that makeshift outside workshop. Um, That particular set, that makeshift outside workshop, is lifted and was designed specifically from one of the original Ralph McQuarrie artist depictions of the Tusken Raiders when he was doing artwork for George Lucas prior to George selling the script to a movie studio to create the film. George Lucas had brought on Ralph McQuarrie, who'd done a bunch of... uh, I think uh, like Boeing um, concept art 
uh, for the for the airline manufacturer and had asked him to go and create artwork that he could go and show to movie studios of what his film could potentially look like. And that set was was designed specifically off of one of the original pieces of artwork, pretty famous, actually, that particular piece of artwork of Ralph McQuarrie depicting uh, the Tuscan Raiders. The other uh, big sort of Easter egg and throwback in this episode of, of uh, the Book of Boba Fett, Tribes of Tatooine, when he leaves the Tuscan camp, after they're fired upon by the uh, by the pike train uh, and several of the Tuscan Raiders are killed. And my gosh, why do they put the Banthas in such easy proximity to just be gunned down? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No details. I mean, I guess there's not a lot of dunes to hide behind, but how many Banthas died? I mean, unless they eat them afterwards. If they eat them afterwards, I suppose then it's worth it to go and have them killed if they're not going to ride them. But still, I think they lost like two or three. It just seems like a waste. Anyway, when he heads off, to go steal the, the speeder and swoop bikes. Uh, and I feel really bad in the flashbacks for Boba Fett because he's stuck in those, in those tattered, in like that tattered, white, dirty onesie. <laughs> just, just like he's, just like, it's like he's in his PJs. Anyways, when he goes to that bar uh, to go and steal the, 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 uh, the speeder swoop bikes from that gang, there's two human characters at the bar. That's Cammy and Fixer. Cammy and Fixer were Luke Skywalker's friends in a deleted scene that took place at Tashi Station from A New Hope. A lot of fans had picked up on a couple of those quick shots that took place in the trailers. Uh, but that was Cammy and Fixer and lifted directly from a, 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 a rather famous a doing that thing with my fingers. I mean, for those that have the Blu-rays and have watched a lot of the ancillary material, including the deleted scenes, you've seen this before. Uh, there's also a moment where he meets Biggs, Biggs there as well. The interior of the bar he goes into where he beats up the biker gang and we meet those two those two humans, Cammy and Fixer. The interior looks just like Tashi Station from the deleted scene. However, they changed the exterior of um, that particular location. So I don't know whether or not that was specifically supposed to be Tashi Station because it just seemed like a bar in this episode of the Book of Boba Fett, uh, or if they just, as a nod to the fans in that deleted scene, were like, hey, let's include Cammy and Fixer. That'll be a fun, you know, sort of Easter egg for the fans. We'll make the in- interior of this bar look like Tashi Station, but it's not necessarily Tashi Station. Because um, I didn't see any power converters there. I just saw alcohol, or whatever they call drinks that give you a buzz in the Star Wars universe. Um... The dream lizard, the, the the lizard dream sequence. Okay, uh, it was weird, but okay. Uh, I you know could take could take it or leave it. Uh, it seemed a little. I don't know if Star Trek's the right word. I was when I when it happened, I was immediately reminded of the Wrath of Khan, in the beginning of the Wrath of Khan when they find the Wrath when they find Khan on City Alpha Six or City Alpha Five, whichever one it is, and they put those. Wah! 
creatures up their nose and it gives Khan the ability to control their minds and, and all that. It reminded me a bit of that. And the whole dream sequence in and of itself seemed, you know, the hallucination seemed a little weird, but I know that they were, I know what they were going with it. And it certainly seemed to fit in with what we're learning about the Tusken Raiders and, you know, how they operate as a tribe and, you know, a bit of their religion, you know, um, I am personally done with the Tusken Raiders, right? I, I think it's cool. Uh, I enjoy the time that we've spent with them. Uh, but I also uh, have personally, I'm like, I'm good. I'm good on the, I'm good on the Tusken Raiders. They, too, remind me a lot of Emphis Nest's gang from Solo, just in terms of, of their decor and how they're and how they're dressed, which I'm still not a hundred percent on board with. I like that traditional look of 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 what we were used to in in seeing the Tuscan Raiders from the original trilogy and from the the prequel trilogy. Uh, and I, I get it. There's diversity and there's different tribes, and they are more human than what we were led to believe um, originally, and so it makes sense. But the vibe I was getting from a lot of the costume designs really did sort of evoke. Uh, the 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 tribe in that we saw, or you know, the gang that we saw in Solo that uh, that Emphis Nest was a was a part of. Again, not necessarily a nitpick, just more of a more of an observation. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I thought the runtime really really benefited um, this episode. Gave it the opportunity to flesh it out a little bit. Didn't seem as rushed. It does destroy my theory that episode one and two were split into two different episodes. Um, but I think it's cool that with these live action shows on Disney Plus, they're not beholden to any particular. Um, timeline they just can, can go out there and tell the story that they want to they want to tell uh i do want to get off tattooing i'll be honest with you uh i'm i'm, I'm good we spent a lot of time on tattooing we spent a lot of time on jakku uh, i watched uh, the rise of skywalker uh quite, quite a bit and we've been to the forbidden desert of pasana um i'm not going to pull an anakin skywalker to that point but i will say you know, sand, coarse, rough, it gets everywhere, and it's all over Star Wars, and I would just like to go to a different locale at some point in time. And I think that's why the Book of Boba Fett, in my opinion, is coming off as a little bit lower quality than Mando. The storytelling is much different. Mandalorian took very much that video game aesthetic of, you know, Mandalorians gotta go and solve a problem to ultimately meet his end goal. He's on a mission, but in order for him to complete the mission, he has to go and solve a problem, and that seems to happen every every episode. It becomes a little bit repetitive when you are actually looking at it through that lens, but I didn't even, it didn't bother me in the least bit in watching, and still doesn't, in watching the episodes. With the Book of Boba Fett, we're not really getting much story and resolution just yet, and it's the second episode where we've ended on a flashback sequence, which I still think is is kind of strange. So, look, ultimately, it sounds like I'm complaining. I'm not. I really did enjoy this episode. Watched it twice in in one day and enjoyed it both times. Um, will, this is an episode and that I will more than likely go back and watch more often, which just means that I'll go back and watch episode one more often because it's shorter, you know, and I like to watch things in order in totality when I start consuming my by Star Wars content. Uh, but again, I do feel like it's not quite up to par to what we've received in in The Mandalorian. And I can't help but wonder if a part of the reason why we're getting this version of Boba Fett as opposed to the one that people were expecting from the stories that they read in Legends and the Expanded Universe is because The Mandalorian came first. 
It seems as if when they created The Mandalorian, there was a desire to not do Boba Fett. That might have been the initial thought, but they decided, let's do a new character, which I thought was a really smart move. If we do a new character that looks like Boba Fett, that is also a bounty hunter, we can tell this story without having to be holden to what came forth with Boba Fett prior. We've got a brand new character that's got no baggage and no expectations attached to him. But I think for a lot of people, what the Mandalorian was, was essentially what they expected from Boba Fett. So when they decide to go and make a Boba Fett show, they can't do what they did with the Mandalorian because they already did it. I guess look at the Mandalorian and swap it and make the Mandalorian suddenly be Boba Fett. And I think that fits better into the minds of individuals' headcanon than what the current um, Boba Fett show is giving us in terms of a canon Boba, Boba Fett. Uh, the ambiguity, right? His his being anonymous, not showing his, his face. Um, ruthless as a bounty hunter, but also, you know, fair <laughs> as well. Almost anti-hero. Um, Boba Fett certainly does seem to be that way in the book of Boba Fett. I mean, he's a crime lord, right? He's gonna, he wants to run, he wants to run, you know, Mos Espa there on Tatooine as a crime boss. And so he kind of is an anti-hero, but we just haven't seen sort of the ruthlessness from him apart from the, uh, you know, the bar fight. Uh, a lot of people had issue with him training the Tusken Raiders. Uh, and there's already a gif out there of him doing the, trying to show them how to ride the, the swoop speeder bike right you know like a bantha look i'm digging it i'm digging the portrayal of boba fett that's fine i don't have a problem with him not aligning with what a lot of people thought he was supposed to be i'm just wondering if the mandalorian actually ruined the chance to make boba fett what fans expected you know fans are mad he's not a ruthless bounty hunter but they kind of made mando that way uh and and so you can't go in and and do it uh and do it again plus it also before we move on to um, a couple other a couple other things, specifically the sequel trilogy. Uh, it also is rather interesting from the standpoint of, once again, we have a Star Wars character that is well-known that is dividing the fandom because of how he's now being portrayed and it not aligning with headcanon. Star Wars can't get away from this. The Mandalorian was arguably universally accepted by everybody, as was Rogue One. But all the other content, not so much. Bad Batch accepted but again characters that we kind of knew and a brand new character in omega that we weren't familiar with so there's no preconceived notions about it um but you look at rogue one and mandalorian everybody loves it they didn't know those characters before that nobody really had headcanon about how those death star plans were were stolen and now once again we've got an established popular character in boba fett that had a little backstory apart from what we talked about what we knew of him in the clone wars and attack of the clones which i do think lends itself to that character that we're seeing but fans once again are divided over how he's being portrayed and a lot of hardcore book of boba fett fans are upset that he's not that ruthless bounty hunter that they were expecting what do you think talk show nerd at gmail.com or leave a comment up on uh, up on youtube all right before we move on to listener feedback i just want to take a moment throw this question out there and give you my thoughts um boba fett and mando okay uh, first, you know, live action content that we've received. And I'm of the opinion that it's making the sequels more unique and special. Um, we're not getting this movie style epic storytelling yet. And we probably won't in the live action content. Maybe in Andor, 
It seems as if they've spent a lot of money and time on Andor. Andor is apparently going to be um, one of the few live-action Disney Plus shows where I think they're going... I think it's going to be the, the show where they're going to the most physical locations. And they've been spending a lot of time on Andor. So we might get that epic movie story, you know, movie-style storytelling more akin to what we saw in Rogue One. I doubt we're going to get it with the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, but I could be wrong. I certainly don't think we're going to get it with Ahsoka. I think Ahsoka is going to be more along the lines of what we're seeing with Boba Fett and Mandalorian. Probably more closer aligned with Mandalorian and more space travel. Maybe we'll get that with the Acolyte. But my point being is that I feel like Disney and Lucasfilm are intentionally are intentionally preserving that movie-style storytelling. We'll see if it rings true, right? Uh, and, you know, how the movies end up shaking out uh, over the course of the, uh, of the next year with what's going on in, in society right now. Uh, because it seems like we've taken a step back, but hopefully within the next eight weeks or so, with what's been spreading across the country right now, things will begin to sort of lessen kind of where we were towards the end of last year. And people will begin to flock back to the movie theaters because it seems like after Spider-Man No Way Home, a lot of people are staying home from the movie theaters because they don't want to get what's uh, what's out there. And I'm being intentionally vague because I don't want to get flagged on this on this uh, show on YouTube for talking about things that are apart from Star Wars. It is still a kid-friendly, a kid-friendly show. But I do feel like watching... The Last Jedi the other day, you know, the storytelling is very different. It's epic in scope. And I think it actually makes the sequel trilogy even better. The comparison of watching The Mandalorian and Boba Fett and then going and watching these epic spectacles, in my opinion, it raises the level and quality of those movies. Now, I love those movies. But I know that I'm really excited to sit down really soon and watch The Rise of Skywalker again. Not only because I love that movie, but because... There's a lot of what we've been given in the book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian um, of Star Wars. There's a lot that we're not getting of Star Wars that I love. And I think The Rise of Skywalker, the more that I watch that film, the more I think that that is one of the boldest moves that Disney and Lucasfilm has made in terms of storytelling. I love that movie. And I love that movie more and more on every single rewatch. And I think that that is a, it is a no holds barred we're, we're throwing everything in here. It is the most, even next to The Last Jedi, and I love The Last Jedi. I think The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker are two very unique and interesting Star Wars films and some of my favorites right now. If I'm going to sit down and watch a Star Wars movie, I'm going to one of those. They're both very, very different in terms of the way that those stories are structured and how they're shot and how they play out and very unique. I've always sort of aligned the last jedi with eating sort of steak whereas uh the rise of skywalker to me is more just popcorn non-stop fun that makes a lot of really bold choices just as much as ryan johnson did with the last jedi and to me it's highlighted even more considering uh the fact that the book of boba fett and the mandalorian are very grounded in what we are used to from certainly a new hope and that original trilogy. So personally, I think that the, uh, while I, I love the live action shows, I think it's actually elevating my enjoyment of the, uh, of the movies that we've gotten during the Disney era. What do you think? Talk show nerd at gmail.com or leave a comment uh, up on YouTube. All right. Uh, we're going long. Let's dive into some, uh, listener feedback, uh, this week. I need someone. 
Show me my place in all this. All right. First off, before we get into listener feedback, I want to mention. I want to mention something. Uh, some people have been speculating that. Uh, so the, there's a, there's a female Tuscan Raider that was training uh, Boba Fett um, in the in the flashback scenes, and some people have been speculating that it's Fennec Shand. Um, unless Fennec Shand went from bounty hunter to Tuscan Raider and back to bounty hunter, it's not Fennec Shand. We saw Fennec Shand in uh, the Bad Batch, <laughs> and the Bad Batch takes place a long time before. <laughs> We get to the Book of Boba Fett. So unless Fennec Shand ended up becoming a Tuscan Raider and then becomes Fennec Shand again in the armor that we're seeing, I can't be Fennec Shand. All right. Let's get into uh, first one. Uh, out of Israel, friend of the show, Shlomo says this. Wild speculation, episode two of the Book of Boba Fett. Totally on board. This, of course, leads to some wild speculation, he writes. Boba told the Tuscans that they have been there since the seas dried up. The Tuscans never take off their outer coverings and are fascinated by flowing water. I have concluded that they were original members of Tatooine and are an amphibious species. They cannot expose their skin to dry air and wrap themselves to keep moist. This probably means that we're going to see some woke Disney Plus plot about humans coming to Tatooine and destroying the biosphere through mining and CO2 emissions. And the Tuscans are going to be climate warriors and Boba Fett uh, will become the... Um, Kiwi Zots Hatterak and bring back the rain to Arrakis. Oh, I got you. I mean Tatooine. You know I'm right. Look, man, you know, Shlomo, I wouldn't put it past him. I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I kind of cringed a little bit when they said that because unfortunately, uh, just because of the nature of what I do as a talk show host, that's where my mind immediately went. It's like, oh, man, Tatooine used to have seas on it. Why aren't there seas anymore? I swear if they go global warming, climate change, I'm going to be ticked off. Shlomo, thank you as always for the email. Batman83 responded uh, to an older video. It was my uh, lengthy The Rise of Skywalker defense podcast, and they wrote this. If I could change things, I would remove Rose and Finn's side quest, remove uh, Rose completely, not have Luke die off. Those, to me, are the worst parts of the trilogy. I wish Disney had went with George's um, original idea. Um, again, yeah, you know, it's fun to speculate. Everybody's subjective. I have no problem with the things that you wanted to have removed. You know, incidentally enough, though, or as an observation, they kind of did go with what George wanted. George was the one who had the idea to make Luke a hermit in uh, in isolation. Uh, that was in some of the original uh, artwork that took place or that was that was made prior to a Disney buying out Lucasfilm. So for what it's worth, there you go. All right, uh, Mark writes, uh, hi, John, just a quick one while, uh, while remember, what do you think, um, what do you think of the young Tuscan Raider who Boba obviously has a connection with? When I saw the premiere episode last Wednesday, I thought immediately it was a story of how we met Fennec Shand. Again, uh, timeline doesn't match up because Fennec Shand was in uh, the Bad Batch and the Bad Batch takes place pre A New Hope. And this takes place pre, you know, post, um, the, uh, Post the original trilogy. We've never seen a Tuscan Raider without their mask or hood off before. And I've heard a lot of commentary listening to podcasts where people want to see that. I don't. Leave it a mystery. I don't need to see what the Tuscan Raiders look like. I don't. That's me me personally. Uh, we don't need to know everything. Star Wars has survived very well and has actually done very well. And they've used it very well on having just a lot of things not answered and having some ambiguity. And I think it's better if we don't ever see what a Tusken Raider um, actually uh, lo- looks like. I was glad to see the Pikes in this episode. Uh, we have seen their actual faces in cartoon form of the Pikes. We didn't see their actual face in Solo when they arrive on Kessel, okay? 
And I'm glad to see that the masks that we saw in the Book of Boba Fett do somewhat align with the masks that the Pike wore in Solo, and that they actually had a chance to take the mask off when we saw their face. I saw that. I thought that was. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. All right, one more for friend of the show, Ben Fisher. He writes this. Whenever the show The Acolyte gets brought up, I immediately think of the Darth Bane books from Legends. The Darth Bane books are technically pre-High Republic, so it is most likely not what they're going for unless they change the timeline. Uh, in the books, Zana is, an ac- Zana is an acolyte to Darth Bane, hence me thinking of her every time this show is mentioned. Her story is quite interesting, and I would love to see it in like in uh, in live action. Yeah, I get the feeling that the acolyte is going to be a brand new character, and I think it's the best move for uh, Disney and Lucasfilm to make is to bring about another character a la the way that they did uh, The Mandalorian, somebody that's got no baggage or attachment to it. Uh, I'm interested to i'm kind of starting to want to go and check out some of the high republic yet i've still been avoiding it as i write my my own science fiction novels uh just been busy doing that so i haven't had a lot of time uh reading uh but at some point i'm going to get into the high republic um uh, content just because i want to see how it really is uh, before i cast any sort of further judgment on it it hasn't seemed very appealing to me uh, but after seeing that Eclipse video game footage that we may or may not ever get, that got me really hyped for it. So at some point, I want to go and uh, and check it out. Before I wrap up the show, I want to remind everybody, if it's your first time watching or listening, if you want to support my nerd world the way you do that, if you're a reader or you know somebody, a friend or family member who's a reader, pick up um, a, a copy or the entire series of my Embark um, space opera series available on amazon.com you can also hit the link on youtube there's a link right there on the banner up on youtube you can go right to the page on amazon.com six books in the series so far uh ebook paperback uh, audiobook and a hard book you can pick up the ebook for embark book one for just 99 cents and you can pick up the opening trilogy in the series which is uh embark book one uh treasure and darkness book two and the vanishing war book three which does create an entire arc and uh, trilogy before you get into the subsequent other books of four, uh, five, and six. Book seven uh, coming very soon. Hard at work on that. Uh, you can pick up a box set and ebook of the opening trilogy of my Embark series for just three ninety nine. That's a big discount from the ninety nine cents and two ninety nine for each of the other uh, ebooks. So if you want to support the show, go and pick yourself up a copy of your preferred version of my science fiction space opera series for either you or a friend. If you're asking what is it about, I'll tell you. Book one, Embark, Katha dreamed of traveling beyond the known galaxy. Now humanity's survival will depend on it. A year after her beloved aerospace engineer father mysteriously passed away, headstrong pilot Katha Morrow discovers he left something behind for only her to find. Her excitement quickly turns to fear when she learns that an industrial accident inside a D-Corp civilian and military spacecraft factory has sparked an apocalyptic chain of events. While the ruthless Sin Argum of D-Corp attempts to exploit the global evacuation and gain control, Katha realizes the significance of what she's found and can't escape her destiny. As Earth's evacuees stand on the brink of annihilation with the help of a ragtag squadron of pilots, Katha might be humanity's greatest and only hope against the tyranny of D-Corp's evil leader. Uh, the books are suitable for ages 11 and up. Think Star Wars in terms of adult themes and uh, violence. Written for adults, but again, um, you know, children 11 and up all the way up into seniors have loved these stories. And I hope you'll take a moment and go to Amazon.com and search for Embark John J.O.N. Justice or hit the link 
uh, when you uh, subscribe or, or the alert button. Hit the link right there on the YouTube page. Or go to MyNerdWorld.net, and all the links are available there on the homepage. Thank you so much for, once again, checking out uh, My Nerd World, a Star Wars show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did talking Star Wars. And we'll be back again next week. Bye. The Force will be with you. Always. My Nerd World.